Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. Man, a week flashed by just like that. This is the longest I've gone between episodes in quite some time, and it wasn't intentional. My other duties simply got in the way. This is what I don't know, but am curious about. How many of my listeners see me on TV or watch slash listen to the clips of my TV hits that are posted on social media or YouTube? Because I generally stay away from subjects that I discuss on TV unless I feel there's an angle or perspective or simply wealth of additional information and insight that I couldn't get to in front of the cameras and that the topic is worthy of revisiting and expanding upon here. Any feedback I could get on that from you would be appreciated. I ask because that's why I haven't been in this space for most of this week. For the first time in two years, I flew down to LA from the Bay and went back into the studios, the Fox studios, to sit across from my TV brothers and sisters, hosting all of Speak for Yourself for three straight days and making appearances on both The Herd and First Things First. I don't know if or when any of you return to any semblance of your normal work life, but it was disorienting, disorienting as hell to be doing essentially the same job I have been doing for the last two years and doing it in an environment I once only identified with doing that job, but now found familiar, but still strangely foreign. I know that sounds a little confused, but that's kind of the way I felt. I felt felt like my equilibrium was off down there. It turns out I was one of the first people who has been working remotely to return to the studio. So all the behind the scenes people who get me ready to appear on TV, 
makeup people, microphone, travel, wardrobe, all had to adjust to making sure I had everything I needed. And I guess some of the processes over the two years were also changed by the company. So they were getting up to speed with a new way of doing their jobs and then having to do it with me being there in person. All of that is why you haven't heard from me in a minute, even though I've been looking forward to tackling this subject and several others all week. And in the meantime, I've had several more pop up that I was actually tempted to have jumped the line, but I won't. One, because some of them involve the Lakers. And I feel as if I talked about either Anthony Davis or LeBron James or the Lakers pretty much all week on TV. I also, I want to let the season come to an end before I revisit anything on LeBron or the Lakers now that LeBron has been ruled out for the season because of his injured ankle, eliminating his eligibility to win the scoring title. That award now appears as if it will go to the subject of this week's episode, 76ers center Joel Embiid. His scoring, though, is really the last thing I want to talk about. I want to talk about who Joel Hans Embiid is and who he isn't. We make this mistake all the time with physically imposing people, especially athletes. I believe because what we see most of is them imposing their size and strength on other people. There's a natural tendency to equate maturity with that size and strength automatically. They look like full-grown men, and then some, so they must be full-grown men. Which is sometimes not true at all. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Joel Hans Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo are perfect examples of how one can be one thing and one can be the other. The adjective most often used with Embiid is fun-loving. One of his nicknames is Troll Embiid because he likes to play tricks on people, particularly through social media. He's essentially an online practical joker. It makes him very endearing. But it also makes him seem a lot less mature than you'd expect someone who is now 28 years old to be. Johnny Knoxville was in his 30s when he was making the Jackass series. And I have a hard time believing anyone thought he was that old or that mature. My point being, we often judge someone's age and maturity by appearances. And Joel Embiid being more than seven feet tall before he turned 20 made him appear to be far more mature than his actions actually indicated. I'd like to say that serious events make us grow up in a hurry, but I'm not sure that that's true for everybody. Getting married or having kids or seeing someone die, especially someone close to us, can have a profound effect. For some, it can get them feeling a responsibility for their actions and how they affect others in a way they never did before. For others, though, I believe it can have the opposite effect. They find ways to remain childlike, to ease the pressure of their new burdens or harsh realization that life is short and none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. I put Embiid in the latter category. He had a younger brother die in a car accident 
eight years ago. He recently had a child with his longtime girlfriend. I don't get the sense that any of that had a profound effect on how he approaches life. I do think the Ben Simmons saga did prompt him or inspire him to evolve into more of a team leader or take his team leadership more seriously. Whether it was because he saw a need or an opportunity, he stepped up. But in almost every other way, he strikes me as still being the playful, life is too short to take any of this too seriously, Joel Hans Embiid. If you didn't know that by watching him play, a recent story about him in Sports Illustrated provided some insight. In the story, he has just finished a day of shooting a TV skit with talk show host James Corden. Embiid tells the author, for SI, that he has no interest now in becoming an actor because he'd rather stay home and sleep. He dismissed becoming an NBA GM for a similar reason. Too much work, too much travel. He likes getting to know his GMs, he said, only because he doesn't want to be traded. And he has demonstrated a curiosity about how they do their jobs. But that's as far as it has gone. I get it. There are plenty of jobs I'm interested in knowing better. Astronaut, world-class chef, safe cracker, cryptocurrency miner, that I wouldn't necessarily want to do for a living. But there are things I am passionate about beyond my job. Cycling and surfing, piano, my family, paying it forward and helping others. For full disclosure, Joel and I are born on the same day, March 16th, a few decades apart. I'm not a hardcore believer in astrology, but I don't think it's completely bereft of meaning either. Short of it is, I believe I have some insight into Joel because we're both Pisces. I feel the same way about Blake Griffin, who's another March 16th birthday, and Steph Curry, who was born on March 14th. I've had interviews with Blake and Steph where I felt we instantly understood each other. And that doesn't always happen. It's what I shoot for in interviewing people for a story, but sometimes you have to root around to find that commonality, or you find out along the way just how different you are. Uh, sometimes you have to, or in most cases, you have to spend enough time around the person to understand how they think and feel, and whether it's aligned with the way you think and feel or something else. Now, I've never spent any significant time around Joel. I've been around the Sixers as a team, and I've observed Joel hanging out by himself in various places. Las Vegas Summer League, his agent's offices, and he's always struck me the same way. A somewhat wide-eyed, gentle soul who can't quite believe where his life has taken him. He'll play the, you know, the tough guy. He'll play the, with bravado. He'll do all of that, but I always feel like he's playing at it. It's not really him... It's him pretending, taking on a role. And he confirmed that none of that has changed in the Sports Illustrated piece. The five-year, $150 million contract he signed has a lot of injury protection language written into it for the 76ers. And I know that some players might have either fought to get that language out or they would have resented that they had to have to accept it as is. Embiid, meanwhile, expressed disbelief that they'd offer him a deal potentially worth $150 million. He didn't care about the details. 
and not out of belief that the injury concerns are warranted, but that anyone would be offered $150 million to do what he does for a living. And even kind of took a shot at them, saying if they're stupid enough to give it to me, I'm stupid enough to take it. At least that's how I read it. It's a refreshing view, actually, and one of the many reasons I believe the Philly fans are so fond of him, because at its heart, Philadelphia is a blue-collar town. I've seen this more than a few times with big men I've met through the NBA, particularly foreign-born big men who were introduced to the game simply because they were tall and it afforded them a way to provide for their families like nothing else could. You see some of that with big men that were born and raised here in the States, but it's a little bit different with foreigners, at least some of them. They generally, well, maybe not generally, but Many of them come from desperate circumstances. Serge Ibaka was sleeping on a dirt floor when he was discovered. And they come from places where the game of basketball is not part of the culture the way it is here. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Kids, boys, girls generally don't dream of growing up and being professional basketball players and making hundreds of millions of dollars. It's so far removed from their reality, it's not considered a legitimate goal. From my experience over there, most of them learn the game as a means of possibly getting a college scholarship and an education in some other line of work not as the means to playing professional basketball. Some pursue the game as a means to an end, not because they particularly love it. When you wonder about a big man's work ethic, some of it can simply be that big people don't look as busy as smaller athletes. We had a guy on my college soccer team who was renowned by the coaches for knocking out 100 sit-ups in a blur. I lost a little respect for them because of their admiration of that and him quite frankly his technique sucked and I wasn't quite sure what the point was other than looking like you were busy or a maniacal worker it wasn't making your core better not in the ways that you ultimately could now one of the other reasons that big men uh, sometimes don't have the greatest of work ethics is because they don't have a passion for the sport. They're doing it because, as I said, it's a means to an end. I get the sense that Embiid has developed a love for the game, in part because he's proved to be so good at it. And who doesn't? Anything that we're good at, we have a tendency to want to do more of. But that's a little bit different than having a passion from the very beginning. On some level, he still sees it as just a game. Not something to be taken overly seriously. I'm sure he would like to win a championship, 
but I'm not convinced he feels he has to win a championship to feel complete or that he approaches basketball as a job. Even now, there are times when he looks like a kid on the playground, playing for bragging rights over whoever he's up against, as opposed to taking a calculated approach to leading a team through the 82-game regular season gauntlet and 16 postseason wins for a title. If he did, I'm just convinced that he wouldn't talk as much trash as he does, especially early on in games. Russ Westbrook is guilty of the same thing. So, it's not Joel Embiid alone. I've seen it in, in a number of players. I've never had the sense with Joel, or Russ, to be honest, that either one of them has a big-picture view of the game, and for Joel, how the Sixers have to collectively play to be the best team in the league. He's worked at his game by studying other players and adopting their moves, but there's no indication that he's figured out how those moves and what he does fits in with making the game easier for the less talented Sixers around him. There are times I literally watch him on the floor and I can tell him, I can tell he's trying to figure out what is it that I'm supposed to do in this situation. And it doesn't always come. Like he ultimately, clock's running down, he makes a decision. But he makes a decision just because he has to, not because he's come upon this is the thing that I need to do. He's also made commercials and enjoyed the other trappings that come with being a star athlete. But there too, I've never got the sense that he thinks of it as building his brand the way American-born athletes do. He does them, it seems, because they look like fun. And again, that is refreshing in its way as well. Which is what struck me about Joel's latest complaint. That if he doesn't win most valuable player, it's because the voters don't like him. It's an odd way to think about the award, as if it's a popularity contest, rather than acknowledgement that he has or hasn't forged his excellence into being the most indispensable piece of a winning team. And that's how I see him, which is why, as of right now, I'm planning to put him at the top of my ballot. Not because I like him, although I do appreciate his personality and his game, but the reason he's at the top of my MVP ballot is I think he's been the most dominant force of any single player this season, and it has produced a record far better than the Sixers could have produced if he hadn't been so consistently dominant. And I plan to vote for him, even though I don't expect that dominance to be replicated in the postseason. I have far more faith that Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks will be the last ones standing, at least in the Eastern Conference. Giannis, by the way, has that same wide-eyed wonder about the life that basketball has provided him. I'm sure you've heard or heard of the dad jokes he has told after games or his joy at discovering the deliciousness of Oreos dipped in milk. There's a sweet innocence in all that, and Embiid has the same quality. The difference is that there's also a serious resolve about Giannis when it comes to the game. He seems to feel an obligation to make the most of his gifts, of his opportunity to carve his name into the record, record books as one of the greatest and most successful players to ever play the game. There's a sense with Giannis that he knows he's capable of doing all that 
if he is willing to make the necessary sacrifices, if he synthesizes his abilities with the talent around him. It's a subtle difference, but the feeling I get from Giannis is that he has to win or he will feel he failed to solve the puzzle. Whereas Embiid would like to win, but he doesn't see it as an outcome he can fully guarantee if he commits himself to it in just the right way. That's why when, when in saying if he didn't win MVP, it was because he wasn't liked. It really ends up being sort of an excuse. Well, it's not, with, it's not my fault. It's not within my ability to be an MVP. I did what I thought I needed to do and they just don't like me. Instead of, okay, so I didn't win MVP. What is it? If that's a goal of mine, what is it that I need to do different in order to win it? Now, I got the sense that Giannis did see the big picture when he called his teammates on the carpet during a timeout against the Hawks last year during the playoffs. Something I've yet to see Joel do. It's, in Giannis's case, it's a follow me because I know the way attitude or I am going to find the way attitude. Now, as I was wrapping up, it's funny, as I was wrapping up this episode, I fell upon a clip of Giannis talking about why he doesn't care if he wins the scoring title because he is just a fraction behind Joel Embiid in gunning for it. And it's been quite clear that Joel would want, wants to win it, that LeBron James was trying to win it, but I never got the sense that Giannis was playing to win the scoring title, and he certainly never talked about it. And here is why. He holds you back. Like, he, he holds you back. I really believe in this. You don't get to your full potential when you worry about the wrong things. You know, and I'm really, I'm obsessed with basketball. I really want to be the best that I can be. And, you know, I, I've, I've showed it times and times that I'm about that. I'm not about scoring champ, I can care less. You know, I'm not about uh, MVP, I can care less. You know, I just want to be the best player that I can be. And whatever that takes me, I'm okay with that. You know, so if I keep worrying about if I can win uh, the scoring champ and uh, who I've done it in the past and who I'm in cup... No, 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 no. It takes me away from the goals that I really want to achieve. So, I don't follow, but I know a lot of people follow it. You know, I know, I know probably my teammates follow it or my brother follow it. But I try to close my social media, throw all those distractions away, and just focus on how can I tomorrow, today, how can I get better? How can I read my, how can I make free throws? How can I improve my jump shot? How can I be a better teammate? How can I be stronger, more explosive? How can I make good decisions? How can I enjoy the game? How can I focus on myself without being selfish? Just, you know, focus on myself by making the good decision for myself and my teammates. How can I be in the moment and don't worry about the future? Like, those are the things that allow me to reach my full potential and those are the things I worry about every single day, not scoring champ, MVPs, Boston that we just played. No, we got, we got Detroit tomorrow. I was kind of amused by the reaction on social media to Giannis's words. It was along the lines of, isn't he a great guy? He's so well-spoken. How can you not like Giannis Antetokounmpo? And that ain't it. What he just expressed is the essential, necessary mindset to being a champion. 
It's indispensable. It's not a nice thing to say. It's not the right thing to say. It's the only way to think and operate. And it's one thing to say it. It's another to do it. And everything that I've seen from him has been an indication that he is all about what he's saying. I'd like to think that Joel Hans Embiid has all that in him too. But until I see it, I can't completely believe that he thinks he has it in him or that it's just simply important enough for him to find it. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. In the upcoming episodes, I do want to tackle why it makes perfect sense that the Charlotte Hornets would have an interest in acquiring Russell Westbrook. But I also plan to do an episode on how I filled out my ballot for the various awards. I did that over the weekend, uh, last 24 hours actually. I haven't turned it in yet because kind of want to take one more look at it. I will say there were some difficult, difficult decisions to make, as difficult as I've ever had. And there are a number of reasons for that that go beyond players who have comparable careers going on or had comparable performances this season. I'll get into all of that in either the next episode or the, well, or the episode after that, somewhere before the awards are actually announced. I appreciate all of you. Um, I, more than anything, I hope to get back to producing episodes on a more regular basis. So I appreciate all of you for hanging in there with me, despite the inconsistent delivery of late. We will get back to producing these, and by we, I mean me, producing these on a regular, regular basis that you can count on. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 